Our Gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptised by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestors. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptised and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also came and asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them, saying, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the throng of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the Gospel of the Lord. All praise to you, O Christ. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Isn't it wonderful to see those toys which will later in the week be going to the Salvation Army to distribute amongst children who are without this Christmas And we mustn't forget the donations to WellCare. If you haven't done so yet, then please do so. It will be used, you can be assured, for giving those who are without this Christmas uh, something to enjoy. And I'm sure that as the children or families or whoever 
receive these gifts, one of the things that they will be sure to say is thank you. Thank you. You know, those two words are amongst the most powerful words that we can ever use. We might call it just thanksgiving, but saying thank you. And I don't mean for you little children and you not-so-old children who were little children once. Well, remember your mum saying to you en route to a party, don't forget your please and thank yous. But you know, saying thank you is much more than being polite, being proper, even being nice. Saying thank you means that you recognise the person who has given you something because you recognise they have chosen to give you something. They've chosen to give you something because in one measure or another, they care. In our epistle, and thank you, Pippa, for reading it, Paul was writing to the folk a long way from here in a town called Philippi. Philippi is in modern Greece. The recipients of that letter would have been probably having a bit of a tough time, as many Christians were in those days. And of course it was written by a man who knew all about tough times, St Paul. And in his letter he wanted the guys and girls, children of Philippi, to hang on in there. We all know such times, do we not? Whether you're at school or at work or at home. And I don't just mean the last year or two with COVID. I mean all sorts of tough times that each of us face from one moment to another. Sickness, loss of loved ones, perhaps even an argument with a friend and you feel just unhappy about it. Or perhaps, I pray not, but perhaps you've been bullied at school. There are loads of things which make life, one way or another, tough. So what does Paul have to say to the likes, not just of those in Philippi, but us today? He says, rejoice and be thankful. I wonder if they felt like slapping him. How many people, when you're feeling miserable, sort of give you that grin? Oh, cheer up! And you feel... But really, Paul said, rejoice and be thankful. Today we must have asked him what planet was he on. Say thank you for COVID or thank you for being bullied or thank you that that dear friend of mine is really sick. 
but I've given you the shortened version. Let's see what he actually said. Rejoice in the Lord always with thanksgiving. The key to what he's saying is not so much the rejoice bit, but in whom we rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in the problems, not in the hardships, not in the awful things that sometimes happen, but rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because of who he is. God is good, kind, faithful, loving. And as Paul goes on to say, the Lord is near. Surely one of the most amazing things about the Christmas story is not all the tinsel and the lights and the ooh-ah and a baby born in a manger, but the reality that that was God near, Emmanuel, God with us. Not just in the good times, not just when we're sitting comfortably in church, but in every situation in life. That is what we are to rejoice in. In fact, I love Psalm 118 because it tops and tails with give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. This is what we are to rejoice about. It's what we can say thank you for. We can thank him that he is with us, whatever, however, whenever. A note, unless there's any confusion in what I say, in another of Paul's letters to another part of Greece, Thessalonica, he wrote these words, give thanks in all circumstances. Note he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances. Paul, probably more than any of us sitting here this morning, knew pain and suffering. But he also knew that the counter was to rejoice in the Lord always and to thank him for all his goodness. But there's something else amazing in that short reading from Philippians. And that when we rejoice in the Lord and we are thankful, there is something back we get. We don't do it to get something back, but we do get something back. And what is it? And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. The peace of God. The peace of God doesn't mean that we won't have problems. 
But what it does mean is that we need not worry in the midst. We remember he's in charge. He'll work it out. Eventually, he will work it out for good. Sometimes we won't see how he's going to do it in advance. Often we don't know when he's going to do it. But we can be 100% certain that he will work it out. That's what his peace means. You see, peace is like a, a guard on our hearts and minds. It keeps up, keeps out the unwanted visitors of fear and worry. Many of you will know that just over three years ago, I had to go into St Thomas's Hospital for a heart bypass. I was blue-lighted from our local hospital in Tunbridge up to London. I was admitted, and when the surgeon saw me, he said, we've got to move your operation forward because it's an emergency now. But my testimony, dear folk, is that at no point, no point in all that, did I have a single worry or fear. I experienced the peace of God. Paul says it's beyond all human understanding. It was. I couldn't explain it. It wasn't that I was blasé or or had amazing faith in this surgeon who was world-renowned. I didn't know him from Adam. But I had a peace in my heart that God was in control. And whether I made it through the operation or I didn't, he would work it out. Today, our news is full of doom and gloom, is it not? When we turn on the radio in the morning, Jenny and I often say to each other before listening to the news over breakfast, shall we bother with the misery or not? Sometimes we say, no, we can't be bothered and turn it off. Because it's either covid or 10 Downing Street parties, or some other miserable thing. But let's take Paul's advice and rejoice in the Lord always with thanksgiving. But before I end, let me just make a brief comment about the John the Baptist reading. It's a reading guaranteed to cheer you up. I rather like the opening of John, John the Baptist looking out over his congregation and saying, you brood of vipers. I rather like that. So appropriate. No, um, <clears throat> but seriously, uh, one of the things that John the Baptist said, which is so vital is that we are to produce fruit in keeping 
with repentance. What do I mean by that? What does John mean by it? Well, this rejoicing in the Lord and and experiencing his peace is not something we are meant to keep to ourselves. We are to share it. In fact, people should be able to even see it in our whole being. I've mentioned it before, but 40 years ago or so, when I was a school teacher, I was uh, falsely accused by a very vindictive and rather unpleasant parent of assaulting his son. He'd ended up in court after seven months. But the day that I was actually called into the head's office to be told that the father was intending this through his solicitor to take me to court, I was shocked, of course. But when I went, was going home, I called in at our curate's house and we prayed together. And the first thing I did as we prayed together was to forgive in the name of Jesus that parent. But then I experienced over those seven months the peace of God. But I didn't just experience it in myself. Time after time, other members of staff at school would say, you don't seem to be worried about this. You don't seem to be, you seem to be so peaceful about it. Some of them even said, I'd be going round there and throwing a brick through his window. But I had this peace. God gave me that peace, but it was not just for me. Other people saw it. And I had an opportunity to say what was the origin of that peace. So, amidst all the troubles of life, COVID, colds, whatever it might be, young and old alike, you children at school, let's listen to Paul, for this is surely what the Lord is calling us to. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. Pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God will surpass all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.